When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Shopify presents cool sheets from aha to lying awake while you bake isn't cool. I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed, heat-induced insomnia. That was my aha moment. Bed sheets that keep you cool. Then I thought, how do I even sell bed sheets? That's when I had the idea that made it all possible. Signing up on Shopify. With the help of Shopify's intuitive online store creator, I started selling sustainable bamboo sheets that keep cool year-round. And my cool idea became a reality. Hot sleepers around the world rejoice. Shopify makes it simple to keep your cool while starting and growing your business. Start selling with Shopify today and join the commerce platform powering millions of businesses worldwide. From aha to anything is possible. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22.
Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. This is a Belly Up Sports podcast, and I am L.J. LaFura, beat writer for the Boston Red Sox with Belly Up Sports. And alongside me, I got Brandon Karam. Brandon, how are you doing? L.J., doing great. Uh I think that you had uh, probably a more entertaining day than I did as you were at the Red Sox game today. Yes, I got the privilege of going to the Patriots Day celebration of the victory uh, that I just watched at Fenway Park today. I was very, very happy to be there. Great environment as always and a great time. So let's get it underway. Let's do it. Uh, Not a lot of games to talk about today, but uh, we're going to start with the Cardinals and the Nationals. Oh, also, I just want to mention right here quick at the top, uh, the way that we're going to. So the way that we did assign the games prior to this episode was just purely random and that we would each take our own teams, me, the Yankees, LJ, the Red Sox, of course. But starting this week, we're going to take I'm just going to take the the games that occur in the National League plus the New York Yankee games and LJ is going to take all the games in the American League that way that one of us is more focused on that specific league for a week so just felt like I'd throw that in there but uh let's get on to the first game that's the Cardinals and the Nationals the Cardinals scored 11 runs in the first five innings eight of those off of Joe Ross or excuse me, 10 of those off of Joe Ross. Paul DeYoung went yard twice, including a grand slam. And Tommy Edmond, Paul Goldschmidt, and Justin Williams all hit home runs as well. The Cardinals cruised to an easy 12-5 win. Give the win to Jack Flaherty, who's now 3-0. He goes six innings, allowing six hits, two earned runs, and he strikes out five batters. The loss goes to Joe Ross, who's now 1-1 on the year. He goes four and a third, allowing eight hits, 10 earned runs, five Ks, and four home runs. The Cardinals are now eight and eight. The Nationals, five and nine. Today's pitching matchup is Adam Wainwright taking on Patrick Corbin. All right. Next up, we've got the Red Sox and the White Sox. The Red Sox rebounded from a tough doubleheader yesterday, which they lost both. Frankly, I feel partially responsible for the rebound. Not going to lie. The Red Sox went off for six runs off of White Sox ace Lucas Gilito, including a leadoff home run by Kike Hernandez in the first inning. J.D. Martinez led the second inning off with a home run as well, and in the third, it was Alex Verdugo's turn to make my dreams come true, and he sent one over the bullpen for a four-bagger. Trailing in the seventh, Tony La Russa opted to wave the white flag and sent in Yerman Mercedes to pitch the seventh and Dan Mendick for the eighth they had one earned run combined which is six less than Lucas Giolito did in his start the final score ended up being 11 to 4 in favor of the Red Sox given the win to Nathan Eovaldi who is now three and one on the year he went six inning six in a third inning along four earned runs and a career high 10 strikeouts Give the loss to Lucas Giolito, who went one inning, allowing seven earned runs. No, he was not an opener. Um, Also, former Yankee Garrett Whitlock went two and two-thirds of an inning, a 
of perfect ball to finish out the game for Boston. Brandon, he still has not allowed an earned run for the Red Sox in about eight innings. The Red Sox started two-game series with Toronto today. And uh, the White Sox face the Indians. Yeah. Uh, about a Garrett uh, Whitlock, he was a Rule 5 pick this, this offseason, right, in the 2020. Yes. And we've seen a f- couple of Rule 5 draft picks play very well this year. Uh, of course, Akil Badu on the Tigers. Bless you. <laughs> he no, is he's been doing pretty good he's been doing pretty good and then uh wow a garrett garrett uh, whitlock yes sure is good but he had absolutely no place on this yankees roster right now uh, really he had no place in a yankees roster devoid of pitching he couldn't no it, the, because the the bullpen hasn't been the issue it's been the starting pitching well, frankly, the way I've seen them throw him, I think they're trying to develop him into a starter long term. So mm, we'll I, I'm interested to see where he goes. Yeah, because they've been they've been keeping they've been really easing off him on uh, increasing rest days and are increasing um, innings and overall workload. So it'll be interesting to see if in like a year or so they decide to phase out a couple guys out of that. Uh, rotation and try to pull him in or just have him be the long relief guy for quite some time coming. But yeah, overall, great win. A lot of fun. It's a lot of fun when um, everything starts off so quick. I mean, it was a little nerve wracking first inning and then all of a sudden they get up and they're just killing it. Again, I got to mention this because it was just, again, another egregious call the MLB umpire staffs have been significantly worse this year than ever before. Brandon, you watched the game. Kike Hernandez's leadoff home run. Was there a doubt that that went over the wall? It bounced back upwards before it fell down into the field of play. It also did. So this home run, it was hit just over the green monster, but there's a pad that separates the seats from the top of the green monster, and it hit this pad. Now, LJ, usually, I don't know, just from me watching, you know, countless games at, at, that are played at, at Fenway Park, when the ball hits the green monster, it makes a very loud noise when it hits yes. the wall. Yes. It did not make a noise when it hit no, the it pad. <laughs> it, it, it didn't make a noise. It didn't honestly. It's like it's like they're expecting the only way that they can tell whether it's a home run or not is if the guys on the top of the monster catch the ball. Like I mean, they should have had that ball, but they shouldn't have been forced to in order to get the call. I mean, it's just one of those things where it's like you're relying on replay review to check yourselves over, so you're afraid to make calls now at this point. However, you're also too afraid to actually make a call on the replay, anyways. So. It's just a very it's a it's a system that is bound to fail them worse than it has already. What do you think even know. is like a solution to to all this? Like, like where do they even go from um, to try no. to get it better? Well, for starters, no replay review. It's a lot harder to complain if you don't have the thing. I mean, you get the same top, then you get all the talking points of bad calls. There's more accountability on the ump umpires. And I think that's that is a 
solution that would be acceptable to me. Other than that, I'm not sure. I, really, I would rather just get the calls right with replay because and have the game with, take four hours when it could have taken three and a half. Well, you know, we're going to talk as, about as soon as we get into later this. on in this episode about the offense this year and how the games have just been zooming right by. But I, you know, I, I, I really don't think that they're that bad, especially if you're getting the calls right. Like LJ, you're telling me you wouldn't rather have the call right. I mean, I've never really heard you complain about how long the game goes on. I mean, no, I, 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 I get with the general public, but like, I, I feel like you would rather have the call right if it was going to go against the Red Sox or just like in, in, in general, I think as, as a baseball fan, I would rather see the correct thing get called. In theory, yes. However, we have now seen in both basketball and football where this goes, particularly basketball in all levels, it's ruining the game. The more you allow replay to come into the game, the more they're going to re- uh, review things late in game. They're going to take all the momentum and the energy out of the game. And I think it, it legitimately hurt both pro and college basketball within this last year, the amount of stuff they're replaying, replay reviewing. It is too much. And so I'm not normally an issue. I don't have any issue with the length of games. Frankly, I think that's a part of the sport and people just need to accept it while some minor tweaks should be added. Pitchers are taking way too long. So I wouldn't be opposed to a pitch clock. That's just my case. When we can talk about this more another time, but those things are common sense. Everything else, if it's three and a half, four hours, and those things are, and people are taking, uh, like they aren't taking their sweet time, I don't have an issue with it. Except in this case where it's completely unnecessary for it to be as long and drawn out as it could end up developing to. Well, you know, that's a very uh, long and good answer uh, to that, certainly. Uh, and we're going to talk about this a, a lot more, I'm sure, throughout the year when another controversial call comes up at some point. But uh, let's keep moving on with the uh, game recaps. On to the Milwaukee Brewers and the San Diego Padres. The teams both pitched very well and, and kept it low scoring. Uh, Luis Urias home run tied it at one after three innings. The Milwaukee Brewers would add two more solo home runs from uh, Billy McKinney and Tyrone Taylor. And your final is three to one with the, the Brewers beating the Padres. Give the win to Brandon Woodruff, who is now one and oh on the year. He goes six innings, allowing one hit, one run and striking out seven. Very good start for him. The loss goes to Joe Musgrove, who really shouldn't have gotten a loss here. I mean, he what a performance for him tonight. He goes seven innings, allowing four hits, two or, or yeah, two runs, strikes out 13 batters, which is a career high. Just his second start after throwing a no-hitter. Uh, LJ, we've talked about the last few days, tough, tough uh, losses. Uh, and you're going to talk about one of the next game, but. Yeah, yeah was, this is tough. Was the Joe Musgrove runs earned? Yes. Uh, yes, yes. They, they, they were, were home. It was, yeah, home. Yeah. So this one, honestly, in my opinion, as as great as 13 strikeouts is, is even worse. Uh, over into the Royals and the Rays, 
the first score of the game came by way of a terrible error. Absolutely awful. I haven't seen something like this in a very long time by Kansas City first baseman Carlos Santana. He basically had the ball right above him. It was a pop-up, routine, two outs, and just lets it fall right to the ground. Drops a pop fly, which scores one run, and then that that runner he let on that got it to second because it took so long for him to drop the pop-up ends up scoring on the next play. And at bat, that should never have happened under any circumstances. Uh, so that put them up 2 nothing. The Rays added two more scores in the seventh and ninth and grind out a 4-1 to win. Give the win to Josh Fleming. He went five and a third of an inning, allowing no earned runs. And the loss will be given to Danny Duffy. He went six innings with no earned runs, those two runs that came across on the error, of course, and eight strikeouts. Brandon, he has allowed one earned run all season so far. So there is no reason he should ever deserve a loss right now. Uh, before I let you chime in on that, yeah, actually, go ahead. Uh, yeah, he also got his 1,000th career strikeout today mm. uh, as well during the game. Uh, he struck out the side in an inning, so he got nine, 998, 999, and then 1,000 all in the same inning. So very cool for him. Uh, has been like low-key one of the better pitchers in the league for uh the last couple of seasons but you know he's been kind of plagued by the small of market teams that he's been on but uh city you know where he's also been where puppy's big dominican lunch oh when are we doing the fantasy update was that supposed to be today tomorrow's episode yeah tomorrow we're just gonna keep pushing back the weekly schedule until we eventually get it to suit our needs. Um, We'll get there eventually. But yeah, so I mean, this is just absolutely brutal for such a hot pitcher to have to have this loss there that really shouldn't have been. Now, these two teams will play again today. They have Rich Hill on the mound for Tampa against Brad Keller. Brandon, should we be? I know it's only April, but should we be concerned with Rich Hill because he has not looked good at all? He's given up four runs and at least one homer in each of his first three starts. The last one he gave up two homers. It's it's been a rough, rough scene for Rich Hill so far, and it's not like he's showing stuff that should turn it around yet. No, he's certainly uh, not. He the he has good control. He's only walked four batters this year, but four home runs already, like you said, uh, already allowed 16 hits in 14 innings. He's just uh, leaving balls right over the plate and is just getting killed. Exactly. Uh, That's why I'd rather have a guy give up the walks it rather than put everything there. I mean, that was partially Giolito's problem today, too. His first, like, 27 pitches in that first inning, 24 of them were strikes. Which, I mean, granted, part of that is them making contact. However, um, okay, thank you, ESPN. Um, (laughs) 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. Well, part of them was making them contact. This is a pretty good play discipline team. It's not like they're swinging at absolute junk and ha- happen- happening to make contact with it. He must have been leaving them right in a spot that they were wanting. And that's been Rich Hill's same thing too. Just real quick, the two teams with some of the, I believe the top two uh, teams in the AL by win percentage is the Kansas City Royals and the Seattle Mariners right now. Oh, and the Red Sox, those three. Pretty impressive. I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie. The three teams that we didn't expect. The three teams we didn't expect. All right. I didn't expect them to be this good. I expected them to be a fun enough team. Like I I expected to be enjoyable baseball. I didn't expect them to really show everything of the talent. Because Brandon, you remember me saying a million times, if everyone kind of rebounds back, uh, regresses towards their mean, back to their mean, that this team could be really good. So far, everyone has lived up to that bill. So I just, I, I, I have to say, I, I can't find any issue, any part of it, not that I can't find an issue with the team. I can't find anyone on this team that I can't find a redeeming quality about, which is relieving after I absolutely hated the majority of the t- people that were turned over from last year's roster. There's nothing redeeming about Zach Godley. There's nothing redeeming about Matt Hall as your starters. Uh, going a year back, there's nothing redeeming about Andrew Kashner. I don't, I don't want to see that. So I'm very content with where this team is at. They should be competitive throughout the season. I'm happy. Two things real quick, and then I'll, I'll get on to my game. I saw Andrew Kashner pitch for the Red Sox at Fenway against the Yankees. Uh, he it was James Paxton against Andrew Kashner. Uh, Andrew Kashner won- wins that game thanks to three home runs by Mookie Betts uh, in that game that I was at. So uh, I saw the good of Andrew Kashner on the Red Sox. Uh, second thing, yeah, you said you mentioned if all those guys are able to regress to the mean, and you're not even talking about how you're going to get Chris Sale back at some point this year, whether it's in, even in September at the latest. What is – I don't know, just just if you, if you have any insight uh, really quick as to when we're thinking at least. I, ha- I have heard as soon as late June in some random reports. However, the vast majority of people are in consensus that it will be sometime around August. 
But if you can get them at any point in time, that's fantastic. It just matters what situation you're in. I mean, I think realistically, if you're on the outside, you're legit like way on the outside of the wild card, maybe, and I'll get into depth on this more later on, perhaps consider an opener with sale. Just a thought there. Get let him give him time to build up his pitch count and build up his workload for next season. But if you're in the thick of it, he is such a valuable tool, such a valuable addition to that group. And it's one of those situ- it's one of those situations where you don't they're almost running out of spots for people. That's the issue. Because like I guess Garrett Richards would be the person would be the odd man out in that situation because that's with me assuming that Hauk ends up working his way in over Pavetta at some point in time soon. Like realistically, they've got seven guys that they want to be starters on this team, which could be an issue. I'm not sure how they will settle that going down the stretch, but we'll certainly see. Let's move on to the Giants and the Phillies. This game was decided on a Brandon Belt a two-run home run in the third inning. LJ, I'm not sure if they showed the clip on MLB tonight, but Zach Hampel absolutely ate shit uh, trying to oh catch my this gosh, home run It was ball. hilarious. That's what I was talking about earlier, yeah. Yeah. This is the highlight of the night. Like – it was like there was a banana peel right there. Like it's the exact banana peel slide. And I'm not sure what he fell on, why he was running so hard for it, but. Zach Campbell, for those of you who don't know, uh, essentially just for years has gone around to every single MLB stadium every year and just tries to catch as many foul balls, batting practice balls, you know, any kind of balls he can get at the stadium. Uh, yeah, that's his thing. He, he's the foul ball guy. Uh, LJ, do you have an opinion on him? Because some people really like him. Some people really hate him. It's kind of, He's a very polarizing figure. Well, if my comments earlier didn't give it away, I had no clue who the heck this guy was up until today. Really? Never heard of him. <laughs> this guy caught uh, A-Rod's 3,000th hit. He called, oh, it was called, A-Rods. Okay. If, if yeah, you go I heard... onto YouTube and you type in Zach Hample, he makes a lot of baseball content, like where he's at stadiums catching balls and stuff. Yeah, I was saying, because I heard somebody talk about um, him, like without saying the name, like I hadn't understood the name, and something about like, yeah, he hit, he caught somebody such and such, they couldn't put the name on it, and like he wouldn't give it back, and it was like a big thing. But I, yeah. they, they were saying they were saying it was Jeter's. But if I'm correct, didn't the guy who uh, caught Jeter's like three five thousand hit or whatever? Didn't he get like multi million dollar settlement package with like Yankees yeah. tickets for life and all sorts of things? Like it was yeah. like it was a crazy deal. Oh, Zach Campbell, I also just remembered. So he caught A Rod's three thousandth hit and Mike Trout's first career home run. Really? How the yeah. I mean, I know, I know you're going to have like a high volume of catches if this is what you do with your life. He just goes around to like every single day, like he's he's like at a new stadium. But the odds of that, first off, how does he afford that? Second off, the odds of that is just so low that you're going to get like two very significant events. 
his family owns a huge a bookstore in Manhattan, and he works for the bookstore. Is it is, is his dad Art Vandelay? Is he in charge of imports <laughs> and exports? Uh, yeah, I, I have no idea, but he, he talks about it on his uh, YouTube channel quite often. But um, yeah, you, you could go to his uh, website where he keeps a list of every single ball he's ever gotten. He has over, I think, close to 10,000 base. He's gotten 10,000 balls from stadiums across the years. He's tracked every single one. That's crazy. Well, oh, I have to get yeah, we, on to the win-loss. We didn't, we didn't loss actually today. review the game. We were just talking about this baseball. So <laughs> the the Giants win. <laughs> we get so <laughs> sidetracked. I love it. Uh, Giants win 2-0. Uh, give the win to Kevin Gosman. Six scoreless innings, striking out five. The loss to Chase Anderson, who's now 0-2 on the year. He goes four innings, allowing two earned runs, striking out five. The save to Wandy Peralta, his second of the year. The Giants are now 10 and 8, and the Phillies are back down to 500 at 8 and 8. Today's pitching matchup has Logan Webb of the Giants taking on Zach Wheeler. Um, yeah, so I think you missed one story, but I don't blame you because I didn't realize it was a story either. So Gene Segura, his 200th double today. Hmm. Interesting. He got a standing ovation for his 200th double. Brandon, he is the 1,089th player in Major League history to get 200 doubles. In fact, in that game alone, I believe there was four other people with 200-plus doubles, and none of them had gotten that fanfare for that feat. So I'm just not sure what happened, why it happened. Maybe it was a mistake. Maybe one guy was like calling for the hot dog vendor and all of a sudden everyone thought they were giving a standing ovation and it just spiraled out of control. But like, I I don't get it. I I, I don't see where it like good for him, but like, I don't see where that comes into play. So I just want to, as I was, uh, as you were talking there about, a thousand players. I was trying to uh, look up some players who are close to 200 doubles. Francisco Lindor is at like 192, and he's only been playing since what 2015. Uh, I'm gonna have a celebration when he has his 200th double. Gene Segura has been playing since 2012. This I cannot believe that they did. Wow, that is. I just don't, I don't get it. Yeah, I don't get I'm, it either. I'm struggling to wrap my mind around it. Well, uh, I, I digress. Uh, Angels and Rangers. Idolis Garcia went yard in the third, but the scoring got going in the sixth for Texas when the Rangers had a five-run rally. The Angels had their own four-run rally in the seventh, but they ultimately fell six to four. Give the win to Kohei Arihara. He went five and two-thirds of an inning of shutout ball, striking out six batters, give the loss to Dylan Bundy. He went five innings on five earned runs and striking out six batters. The save will go to Greg Holland, his fourth. Brandon, are you really surprised that Dylan Bundy didn't work out here? I mean, me and you ripped on the Angels for trading for him this offseason, and uh, no, not surprised. I mean, 
to or no, they didn't trade for him this offseason. Yes, they or did. did they? Yeah. Who did they sign? They, I'm guy. Oh, they I, signed the guy from Chicago. Um, Quintana. Yes. Yeah, but wasn't a Dylan they traded Bundy for Bundy on they the traded Angels for Iglesias earlier in the year? What? Dylan Bundy was on the Angels in 2020, right? Did you? I think I, I I'm pretty sure I accidentally <laughs> somehow you just muted, me. muted you. <laughs> That's awesome. I need to figure out how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, no, he was on Baltimore in 2020. Him and Jose Iglesias started the year on Baltimore. Iglesias got traded to the Angels mid-season, and then they traded for Bundy in the offseason. Dylan Bundy. Uh, LJ, I final. hate to tell you, but I just went on to a Dylan Bundy's base, baseball reference page. He was traded to the Angels in December 2019. Yeah, that's what I told you. Oh, I thought you meant going into the 2021 season he was traded. No, no, no. No, 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 no. Okay. Like, okay, so, so we're good. Wow. It is – if you can't tell, it's getting late. <laughs> <laughs> Um, How are we going to yeah, get no, through the rest of this? Oh, my God. This is a train wreck. <laughs> Dylan Bundy is a fine four. Five. I'll give him that. Maybe three. Yeah, three but or this, four. This is the front guy in your rotation. If I am correct, who did they start on opening day? Was it him? It must have been him. It was either him or Quintana, and I don't think either of them are really that caliber. Let's be real here. How do you come in second place in the uh, Garrett Cole sweepstakes and then all of a sudden say, no, we don't want to sign a pitcher anymore because we didn't get the best one? Especially seeing Trevor Bauer showed an obvious interest in going west. Like It wasn't like he was opposed to being in the greater Los Angeles area. Yeah. If you outbid the Dodgers, he's yours. I mean, I know that's a, quite a feat with that contract, but if they really wanted to win, if they cared about Trout, they would have. The Mariners and the Dodgers uh, had the last game that ended tonight. Uh, the scoring opened up for the Seattle Mariners on a Jose Marmolejos home run. Uh, that's his third of the year, and that gave them a 2-0 lead. Taylor Trammell added on with his third home run of the year. And after two innings, it was a 3-0 Seattle lead. Uh, them jumping on L.A. starter uh, Dustin May. Top of the third, Corey Seager goes deep uh, to make it 3-2. But the Seattle Mariners offense uh, really showed up tonight against uh, Dustin May. You know, the, the fact that they were able to get another RBI double, that uh, that came by way of uh, Taylor Trammell. Uh, and they walk away with a 4-3 to three win. But the big story for Seattle uh, is that their uh, relief pitchers have gone 22 straight innings uh, and have not allowed a run. Uh, very impressive out of their their bullpen, but yeah, they get a win over the Dodgers. They're now eleven and six. The Dodgers are thirteen and four. Uh, 
LJ, we have an update on the Minnesota Twins who had their series canceled or who had a few games canceled this weekend against the Angels. Uh, they will be playing a double header, header tomorrow against the Oakland Athletics. Uh, it'll because uh, was the report yesterday that all the twins tested negative, correct? Yes, all of the remaining twins, all the all the remaining sets of twins that had not tested positive tested negative yesterday. So only the two sets of twins that tested positive are of issue right now. So they'll be able to play tomorrow. Great. Uh, let's move on to the PPP. Uh, LJ, this first guy, uh, you had a pretty interesting stat for him. Yeah, so let's get on in to particular players people might care about. This first guy is a guy that I swear I've only heard his name in passing a couple times over the past like year or so. Would be yeah, be two years now. I had no clue he was like as legit as he's been. Tommy Edmond of St. Louis on the St. Louis Cardinals has 5.8 wins above replacement in his first 162 career games. Brandon, I'm going to let you quantify just how good that is. I'm going to, I'm going to screw it up, but just like try to put it into perspective for people who aren't really familiar with average war seasons. What, how good 5.8 is. So for, as for war, Zero, anything above zero is above replacement level. So uh, a replacement of level player is someone who's like fringe triple or fringe MLB, but like high end triple A player. So one of those. So how many wins, how many more wins do you get from this player than from a replacement level player that's what war is showing you so 5.8 wins is very good that's above the all-star level uh so the way that a baseball reference lays it out if you're between zero and two war you're considered a, a good substitute if you are uh above two war you're considered a starter if you're above five war for a season you're considered an all-star. And if you're above eight war, you're considered an MVP candidate. So very good. And that takes into account both your offense, your your defense, your base running. Uh, there's a lot of very complicated uh, stats that go into it. But yeah, Tommy yeah, Edmund has been very, very good. Just one for perspective. Um, I'll pull out, try to pull up a couple more. Manny Machado has not had a season close to 5.8 since his 7.3 and 7.5 campaigns in 2015 and 16. He has not been a scrub for the past six years by any means. Machado hasn't. So that just goes to show how good this guy is. I mean, this is, this is, this is seriously underrated talent to be able to put that together and put that together over such a time span, because with that, those numbers, I'm assuming he came up in August of 2019 and played pretty consistently from then on, then played the entire 2020 season. And then the start of this one. So that's three years worth of data that you're putting in to get a very incredibly consistent player over 162 game span. 
Yeah, and the real interesting part is that he just played his 162nd career game. Uh, so it's like essentially been his entire career so far. But uh, yeah, uh, certainly a name that we're going to keep our eyes out for because he didn't have the best 2020. So uh, yeah, we'll have to see how if he can keep it up uh, at this what is above an all-star pace. Yeah, Francisco Lindor only has one season above that. One season better than that. Hmm. All right, my next guy, Dan Duffy got absolutely screwed. Let's be real here. We talked about that quite in depth. That pop-up shouldn't have been dropped. If that pop-up isn't dropped, you don't get that next at-bat. Those two runs disappear. He probably gets the win in all likelihood unless the – bullpen royally screwed it up afterwards i mean this guy's been on fire i i'm i'd like to say i'm in, in on the ride now that i'm paying attention on to the leaderboards uh as for war uh i'm gonna do the top three for hitters still ronald acuna with 1.6 at the top justin turner in second with 1.2 and then vlad guerrero jr with 1.2 tied for second. As for war for pitchers, the top three, Tyler Glass now with 1.4, Garrett Cole with 1.3, and Clayton Kershaw with 1.2. These two I haven't done yet uh, for the stats, but I think that these are pretty interesting. So walk percentage and strikeout percentage are just the amount of the percentage that in your plate appearances that you either walk or strike out. for walk percentage, Luis Urias is at least the league at 23.5%. Joey Gallo, very close in second at 23.4%. As for K percentage, Javier Baez, K's. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. 45% of the time he struck out this year in his plate appearances. Uh, LJ, that's not very good. No, because you can only have, there's a finite amount of luck you can have. You can't be like super lucky in every time you make contact beyond base. So that just striking out that much just gives you no shot at hitting for average. And uh, to wrap it up, the home run leader, still Ronald Acuna with seven. Uh, We've kind of hit a slow point with the home runs. Uh, There hasn't been a lot of real uh, of the top guys. Uh, Yeah, there hasn't been a lot of um, movement at all on the leaderboard. But um, let's move on because we do have the interview to get to later with uh, the guys from the Friars on the Farm podcast. 
uh, to talk about the Dodgers Padres series that happened this weekend. Uh, moving on, the MLB announced their players of the week. Uh, for the AL, it was it is Carlos Rodon. Of course, he threw a no hitter last week. And then for the NL, it is Ronald Acuna Jr., who uh, had a spectacular week. He I think he had three home runs, uh, a lot of really exciting plays, hit over 400. Uh, yeah, it looked really good. Uh, for this next segment, uh, LJ, I'll let you take it away uh, if you want. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't. Oh, I'll take it. Do you want to take it? Because I, I don't really know where you're going with this. Oh, okay. Uh, so this next segment, uh, I found pretty, I, so I saw this stat on Twitter yesterday and it really got me thinking here. So we saw today quite a few low scoring games. It's been quite the common theme this year that offense has been down. Uh, and so here's the stat coming into today, the, the batting average across all of the MLB is just 233. That would be the lowest batting average for any season in history if it held. Uh, the last time that an April-only MLB-wide batting average was that low was 1968, the year that caused the MLB to lower the mound. That was also known as the year of the pitcher, where Bob Gibson had a 1.12 ERA as a starter. Uh, LJ, where I was going with this, uh, this sort of – dramatic lack of offense uh in the league uh does that make you nervous at all that now you know we went from such a home run offensively driven league the last couple of seasons to now not as much offense no because i've enjoyed it (laughs) i have genuinely enjoyed this season so far other than with the replay stuff i have no complaints no genuine complaints I've found the games to be good and the low scoring games that I've witnessed haven't necessarily been because of bad offense, bad base running perhaps, but not bad offense. It's been really good pitching. I think we're seeing a lot of guys, a lot more guys throwing a hundred. You're seeing a lot more guys have that movement and you're seeing a lot more guys have the movement and the hundred mile an hour fastball moving together really well. So those are the causing fat leading factors for this type of thing at this point in the season, in my opinion. Also, the change of routine really hurts guys having to go and do two complete three really it's been three separate ways of like doing an off season over the past three years. So I'm not really shocked that things are a little off to give to off for the start. Would I would I still love to see the mound move back? Yes, I think that would be really fun. But I wouldn't say it's necessarily hurting the game. I wouldn't say that the product that they're putting out there right now is bad. I am intrigued, however, by something that kind of extends into this. And we talked a little bit about with Roy and Donovan is there's a shocking amount of position players pitching this year so far. Now keep in mind we did we did we did do this interview before the um before MLB tonight came out because they talked a lot on this. We did not just 
We are not just doing a copy of their programming. But I, I'm genuinely intrigued by where this is going because, of course, you don't want to have all of your pitchers get their arms blown out after the 60-game season at the very beginning of 162 because you have to warm them up. You have to ease them into the year differently. However, this is back-to-back years of April where record-level amounts of pitchers or hitters pitching are going to be shown. In 2019, there were 14 innings thrown by hitters. So far, there have been nine. Or maybe that is, or I'm sorry, maybe that might be um, hitters that actually pitch, not amount of innings. We've still got a lot of time left in this month. I would be shocked if there weren't a couple more. I'd be shocked if they don't break that record in the next two weeks. But I think this is really opening the door towards better variety among team there's going to be less of a separation between starters and bullpen there's going to be less of a separation between the pitching staff and the position players I think overall that's going to make a lot more interesting game because you're going to need more versatile players in order to stay with the same type of stamina oh absolutely yeah uh having more of these players that uh can not only pitch and we actually talk about one specific player uh, with Roy and Donovan. That's very interesting, but um, yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that point about the, the bullpens and the starting rotations are going to start to blend together because we see so many teams, you know, operate in a way that they have a guy who they're not afraid to make, uh, have him make spot starts or extend it to a six man rotation and then also be okay with having him come out of the bullpen for three or four innings at a time as well. So uh, we're going to see more management like that. And um, look, this because they took, they got rid of the three, three or the, they added the three batter minimum uh, where we have to see managers get a little more creative with how they manage their, their bullpen. So uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and all honesty, I think it's 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 better. We're going to see more interest. Excuse me, more interesting uh, roster makeup. Yeah, overall, I think it's going to show top to bottom when all is said and done. Because I mean, you think about it. Sooner or later, once uh, manager management sees that this is a very viable strategy to have say your DH or your starting second baseman be able to come in and give you a couple, an inning or two when you really need it. Once they see the value in that, they're going to start training that early on in the farm system. They're going to start focusing on trying to find potential two-way players late in draft or in the drafts in international and keeping them as two-way players rather than forcing them into a full spot. Like, can you imagine if you had like the super duper utility player, which I mean, might as well be Brock Holt. I mean, he has, he has pitched his share of innings in the past um, where you can get it. You can get a guy who can play the entire outfield, majority of the infield and pitch a spot, spot you a few innings here and there. That's going to be such a valuable player in this league. The only question is how to, how, how does Otani feel about not being special anymore? If if there was to be a super duper utility guy, it would be Williams Astadio. I mean, he plays everywhere. He catches. He plays infield. He plays outfield, and he's now 
pitch twice. Uh, he is the closest thing to that super duper utility. Uh, he got in twice. He got in twice now. Or he's. I should say he's no. He's pitched twice in his career. Oh, okay. Uh, I was gonna say Hernan Perez made his second outing today. No way, Hernan Perez yeah. again. It was his big outing. Wow, he's pitched twice already. That's crazy. We were just talking about it a couple of weeks oh. ago, or not a couple of days ago. Excuse me. Yeah, PPP. We also completely missed. That's my fault. Albert Pujols stole third base tonight. Yeah. That. I, I don't I don't know how you allow that if you're a catcher. I mean it's probably in the same vein as how you allow one earned run across two position players in two innings. You kind of give up on it. You just don't even try because why? <laughs> uh, LJ, I'll let you uh, take us into this this last segment yeah. so we can get on so, to the interview. This is our second week of announcing our hall, MLB daily hall of fame picks. I've gotten to go over the rules. The only, the rule is there is, are no rules. There are no criteria for selecting this, except the fact that they have to be active within the MLB. So today we are going to be choosing the Yankees. Last week we chose the Red Sox. I chose Xander Bogarts because of just all the leadership he's brought and the consistent presence he has had on this team since 2013. So hopefully he can stay in the running for as long as humanly possible. Now Brandon has his pick for the Yankees because, I mean, realistically with us, we probably had our minds made up on these from the moment we decided to do this Hall of Fame. So it's easiest to do these two teams first. All right, uh, LJ, I have it uh you you can't see what my pick is in the doc, but I'm gonna highlight it well, for you. I hate to say it, but it, it went into the uh, thing. Oh, uh, well, my pick is from the Yankees, DJ Lemayhew. Uh, look, I spent most of the podcast yesterday ranting about the Yankees, but this guy has been still our best hitter this year pretty much uh i'd say other than aaron judge uh and not only that but the last two seasons uh without him these teams would not have had the cohesion in the lineup uh just the overall quality of play is steps up so much when because of uh, dj uh the fact that he's come in the top five in mvp voting uh the last two seasons and got a silver slugger in both of those years. He had back-to-back uh, gold gloves in the two years prior to that. Uh, just such an awesome player. I'm, I can't believe that the Yankees were able to secure him for honestly pretty cheap this offseason. Six years, 90 million really isn't the worst deal uh, out there. So uh, yeah, uh, really happy that I was able to pick this guy Uh was close to picking Aaron Judge, but uh, I have really, really fell in love with the way that he plays. It sort of reminds me of of Derek Jeter in a way, just the way that not the way that he handles himself, but his his hitting style. You know, that sort of slap hitting can really pull the ball. He can hit hit the opposite fields. Uh, just an awesome player. Yeah, and Brandon, I just ran a simulation for next week but i think 
that that is a fantastic pick. Certainly probably who I would have picked on that team. I love that contact plate discipline style, and that really makes him unique on this Yankees team. So next week it is looking like we will start with our first non-favorite team of the year, the Texas Rangers. We will de- this, this time we will debate who should make it in from the Texas Rangers. Again, all of these, these are near, merely nominees. We will cut this down to one player out of all 30 teams come the end of the season. All right. Uh, well, that's going to do it for this portion of the podcast. Coming up next, we have our interview with Roy and Anna Donovan from the Friars on the Farm podcast. Uh, LJ, you have their Twitter, correct? Did we write this down? Uh, yes, we did. Uh, at Friars on the Farm. Friars on the Farm podcast, truly fantastic work, high energy. They really know their stuff. It's amazing. Uh, go follow them on Twitter at Friars on the Farm. Really had fun talking with them about this Padres Dodgers series. So, uh, yeah, we'll leave it to them. Make sure that you're following us on Twitter. And, uh, yeah, we will see you guys uh, later. Enjoy the interview. All right, welcome back. And we've got Donovan and Roy from Padres. Friars on the farm, excuse me. Friars on the farm. <laughs> Um, Long time no see, guys. Right, right. With us once again after what I can only say as the series of the year so far, not even close. Everything that was advertised was in this series, and I've just been dying to hear how they felt, of course, being very up close and personal with this series. Well, first of all, I want to say uh, it's good to be back, but also the last time we talked to you, Joe Musgrove had started – uh, his no hit did, mm. yeah, and uh, you know we ended up watching that game, and he had a no hit. So we'll see if the uh, we'll see if the mojo can continue tonight. But to yes. talk about the the, the series, um, it was it has been everything as advertised. Uh, these teams have are really well matched up. You know the Dodgers obviously with the championship, they're a little bit more um, little got the at the edge between the two, but the Padres we're right here with uh, with them. So those are three of the most exciting games I've ever seen. I was at Friday night's game. And for me, hands down, the best baseball game I've ever attended in person. It had everything. It had great defense, great pitching, amazing, timely hitting. And it just, there, were, there was a, uh, a dust up going on. The fans were into it. I, it, it was fantastic. Uh, and so I feel like it's a little bit of hyperbole by me saying it's the best game I've ever seen. But then Bob Scanlon, who's a Padres broadcaster and a former major league pitcher, he came out and said it was the most exciting game he'd ever been a part of. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And actually that was one of the big things that I wanted to talk about here is everything that started up in that eighth inning. I mean, I You've got the uh, you've got the Padres who are kind of playing that young upset threat team. And then you've got the Dodgers who've dominated for so long in this division as that Goliath who's like feels like likes to act like they're superior. However, is secretly like getting his fist ready for the fight. 
because he knows it's going to be there. And so you, when those tensions finally broke out, you knew this was going to be a real fight through all 19 games. But of course, my favorite part of all of that, Don Orsillo pretty much inciting violence with his call. <laughs> it, was, it was amazing. He was more excited for it than anyone else was. The quote was, and now they're going to talk. And now they're going to fight. fight. <laughs> because what happened, so the guy hit Mateo, and he hit him in the thigh. And it kind of seemed like a regular, you know, guy gets hit by a pitch, all right, low in the bases. It didn't seem intentional, but then the pitcher blew a kiss to Jorge Mateo. And that's Ooh. when Mateo was like, I didn't see that. what? Yeah, he blew him a kiss. And, uh, and then the Dodgers pitcher started talking. Uh, so it seemed entirely it's weird to see the pitcher be the aggressor in that situation usually the one getting hit is the guy that's mad but in this case and, and for us we just saw Jorge Mateo get hit twice yeah. in three days in the Pittsburgh series so it's like why does this guy have a target on his back but to see that in the Dodgers thing I and then uh, the the whole dust stuff that followed after that that just kind of showed the emotion that both sides have so I found it interesting that leading up to the game all the quotes that we were saying from the players and the coaches and everything on the Dodgers side were like, it's just another series. We're just going to take it like it's another series, no big deal. And then after the series, even after the first game, yeah. their, their tone changed. They're like, okay, those guys are bringing it. The fans are bringing it. That was amazing baseball. It's like everything just changed. Yeah. Well, and leading up to that, David Roberts downplaying the rivalry, but then they, they shuffled their starting rotation to have Bueller, Kershaw and Bauer pitch on Sunday. When the first game on Friday, we pitched a 20-year-old who was making his major league debut, not major league, major league debut start with a rookie behind the dish. So we didn't make any changes. We just came with what we have. And that really showed, I think, with the Padres, just showing that we can, we can, we can go toe-to-toe with these guys. And those two and, rookies were amazing. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm actually wearing my Weathers Report shirt right now. Nice. Very nice. Uh, speaking of that first game, you know, so it ends up being an 11 to six final, but I mean, certainly the, the play on the field did not indicate that it was that big of a, 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 a difference in the score there. I mean, it was just like, you know, kind of a fluky extra innings deal. You know, we saw a really fun situation there occur where we had uh, David Price hitting a sack fly off of a, a position player, I think it was Jake Cronenworth that was pitching, yeah. and he hits the sack fly to a pitcher playing left field in uh, <laughs> Joe, Joe Musgrove. Uh, that is just, I mean, it, it's it just added on top for everything else that we saw this uh, this weekend. You know, I got to say, Joe Musgrove is is they say pitchers are athletes, but he really is an athlete. The guy can do it all. He's been hitting, he's been getting some base hits. He squares the ball up. He knows how to run the bases. And I, he knows how to track down a fly ball. The guy's yeah. an athlete. And, you know, and there's a local brewery uh, that just gave him a lifetime supply of Ballast Point beer. So he got That's a card awesome. that said, wherever you go, you can have free Ballast Point beer. <laughs> so the boy cannot pay for a drink here in San Diego. That's amazing. I just would love, that's one of the times, like if I had a list of times I would love to be a fly on the wall in a dugout when some conversations happening, I can just picture it being okay. Who wants to go out and play left field and jump out? Because it's just like one of those, it's one of those opportunities you're probably not going to get again, but I've just been, I've been taken aback by how many times teams are now deciding to use the position players as pitchers. 
because I don't remember it happening hardly ever before, like a couple of years ago. And now it's happening like once a series because guys are being so careful about these guys after both the 60 game season and how much they use the bullpens regularly now. I mean, Tony LaRusso did two innings worth of position players today against the Red Sox. I saw that on Twitter, you know, and, and with, with the Padres on uh, talking about the Friday night game, Jace Tingler did not want to go with, um, Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Pomerantz. Why does Pomerantz, that guy's name just eludes me. He didn't, he didn't want to go with him and he promptly gave up the two-run shot. Um, it just goes to show you how important a bullpen is for us, for, uh, for organization, where if they think they're out of it and they just can get by with, you know, throwing a position player out there, they're going to do it and save the arms and just battle for another day. Well, and this was also a game where they emptied out both the bench and the bullpen. They used pretty much everybody except Craig Stammen off the pitching staff. Uh, and so they had to leave somebody about out there for the next day. Uh, and Cronenworth is a, a little bit of a different example because he pitched in college and he pitched a little bit in the minors. Um, so the guy knows what he's doing on the mound. He's got a legit arm. Um, it's not like you're just running, you know, somebody who's never stood, stood on the mound up there. Uh, so it was an odd situation where they ran out of bench players. So what are you going to do? You got to shuffle everybody around the field. I was up in the I was in the upper deck watching everybody jogging around. I'm like, what the heck is going on? Why is Cronenworth going back to the dugout for another glove? Where's Profar going? Is that Musgrove? Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm assuming that they have it in a pretty easy to see spot what the pitch is and the pitch speed on the scoreboards. Uh-huh. What was it looking like for them? Because today Yerman Mercedes was throwing a lot of 70 mile an hour changeups. <laughs> I mean, it was just so unique. You know, I think Cronin was topping out at 88. Okay. So wow. he was probably, he was probably just grooving him in there, though. He just right. knew he needed to go in and, and throw some bullets over the plate and get, you know, get a couple yeah. batted balls to get outs. Because yeah. he has, when he was pitching in the minors, he had a fastball that ran over 95 miles an hour. He has a legit hammer curveball, and he's got a couple of weapons as a pitcher. So when the Padres first got him, the question was, are they going to use him as a position player? Is he going to pitch a little bit? He was seen as kind of a, a back end of the roster, kind of a utility guy. Uh, and, and that all changed as soon as Eric Cosmer got hurt last year, and he started playing a little first base and started hitting. And he's going, um, wait, this guy's pretty good. Yeah, and he and that spring training, he was throwing bullpens. Like he was a legitimate going to be. I, I think it's twenty innings. The Major League Baseball is having a, a pitcher pitch to be both ways. If you pitch twenty innings in a season, you can be considered a position player and a pitcher. But after the season started, he starts raking. Uh, that that just went right out the window. Yeah, there's definitely going to be a spot for this type of player going forward. I'm really excited to see how the game develops with that and the use of as many arms as they've got. Now we've talked a lot on the Friday game, which of course was the culmination of everything we've been waiting for since December, but what was overall the vibe you got from Saturday? Of course you have 
probably the two best pitchers of that group right now, maybe except unless you were to consider Bauer. Um, and it was a very clean game by both sides for a lot of it. So what were your um, thoughts on that second game? Well, I could say overall for the, after those first two games that the Padres lost, you weren't seeing Padres fans going doom and gloom at all. You were seeing a lot of talk about how close these games were, how the Padres had a ton of opportunities with runners on base and they just couldn't seem to get the guys in where the Dodgers are the other way around. They get somebody in and it seems like the next guy gets that knock and drives them in. They're good at converting those opportunities. So what we saw were two teams that matched up very close. You could see that both sides knew that this was as close as it felt in the stands. Um, So after two games, uh, I, I would say that Padres fans certainly didn't feel defeated. Uh, if, if anything, we felt a little bit encouraged, like, okay, we're yeah. right there. We're one step away. Um, and, and personally, after attending, it, it was weird. Friday night's game, I'm leaving a game where my team lost by five. And it's like, I wasn't even mad because yeah. I just experienced such an amazing whatever, four hours of baseball. And yeah, I was disappointed that our guys lost, but holy cow, what a fight yeah. they put up. You know, in that game on Saturday, if it wasn't for a, a Mookie Betts just phenomenal catch, and that, had, that catch had a 10% catch probability, uh, that ties up the game, the fam, the, the shot from fam. Yeah, I mean, runners on a second and third, a Tommy fam laces that ball. Yeah. Uh, and, and you're right, 10, 10% catch probability. He, he catches it essentially on the heel of his glove. There's only about a, a half inch between – his glove in the ground, uh, just an unbelievable play to end the game. And, and, you know, we've seen him do it so many times to end games too. He always comes up with clutch, clutch uh, plays in the field, but uh, yeah, you know, it, it, it was a tough night for the Padres offense, but I thought that you, you Darvish pitched phenomenal. I mean, the only run that he gives up is that walk to Clayton Kershaw. He just kind of lost that battle there, you know, three, two count and, you know, it, it, it's tough that, that that's the way that he has to uh, allow that run. But uh, he pitched very well and really settled in against that really tough uh, Dodgers lineup. You know, and, and it goes with – it just goes with the whole weekend. Like, who would have guessed, oh, the bingo card, oh, the, you know, you Darvish walks in, walks played Kershaw for the winning run. Like, that wasn't on anyone's baseball bingo card. Just to go to show you how – just by a fraction of a hair, these teams are really that close together. Did you guys happen to see the play where uh, Jerks and Profar was uh, where there was a uh, catcher's interference call at home plate? Yeah. Yeah. So Clayton Kershaw is saying that that was a BS swing. And, and it just, it seemed, it seemed a little baffling to me. And I've looked up the rule now and it's the, the, the batter doesn't even need to swing. All the ruling is if any player interferes with the batter at all, while the pitch is being delivered, that's interference. Um, and so it doesn't matter what Profar's intent was. Yeah. It was a check swing. It was an awkward swing, but it's not like he reached back and intentionally tried to, to tap the catcher's glove. The catcher was reaching all the way out fully extended to get that pitch to try to frame it. I just the the whole hubbub that happened after that as Padres fans we see Kershaw being what appears to be a crybaby uh they probably see it the other way around but I I can't put pro far he's not the kind of guy to try to pull that kind of a shenanigan it's not like it's not like Michael Conforto sticking his elbow out into the strike zone to get hit by a pitch and score a winning run you know and 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 that was a Kershaw pitch I mean it was that shows you how far he was fooled with that pitch to have such an awkward swing 
Yeah, honestly, I feel like sometimes as great as it is to have all these numbers and to be able to develop the game in such a way, it's almost too much for me. Like that 10% catch probability, <laughs> that would be haunting my dreams if yeah. I lost they lost an important game on something like that. Like I wouldn't be able to get that out of my head. It's almost like I know too much at that point. Hey, it's a great player making a great play. And all you can do yeah. is tip your cap to the other guy and, you know, respect. You got to respect and, that. And then it starts all over again this Thursday. Yeah, honestly, I'm I'm surprised they had the guts to make that scheduling, especially when they did. Like, they certainly didn't know it would be this tight. But, I mean, that's foresight on the MLB's part to be able to put this together last year, knowing – seeing how good Tatis is, seeing the roster that they developed without getting all of these extra additions brought in, just that core of Hosmer, of um, Myers, of Machado, of Tatis. It's really, it, it shows the depth of the group, I think. Yeah. You know, and our team is not even firing at all cylinders. Tatis is struggling right now. Sam just, you know, just kind of got his hit on Sunday and he seemed to be coming, he's hitting the ball hard. He just seems to be hitting it at people. So this team isn't, isn't even firing on all cylinders right now. But once we do, you know, look at we can go on a good stretch, win, uh, stretch of wins. You know, one other thing that we pulled out of this game, especially from Friday's game, Manny Machado's really put this team on his back. Yeah. Uh, so on Friday, there was an incident where I think he drew a walk, stole second base. Uh, but when he drew the walk, he took a swing at a pitch and he seemed to, to – tweak something in his back and then he slides into second base and it was clear that he hurt his shoulder stayed in the game took for took third on I, I don't remember if it was a sacrifice fly or what uh and then he wound up scoring on Hosmer knocking him in it was a uh, pass ball right a pass ball thank you uh so somebody who's been knocked as being a bad teammate and doesn't hustle and all that you saw hustle and heart on that play, that whole game, there was another amazing defensive play he made. His arm was dragging. He comes back out. He's in the lineup Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. So he's not at 100%, but he's still putting this team on his back right now. And so Padres fans can't say enough great things about Manny Machado. Yeah. I, he's a different guy than whoever you know, was doing all the, you know, flipping the bat, whatever the bad stuff that people hold against him. He's not that guy. He is an amazing teammate and, and a leader in that clubhouse. Well, I, mean, I understand that when he threw the bat too, when he threw the bat at Josh Donaldson, and Josh Donaldson's kind of a jerk, but yeah, he has definitely matured for this team, and he has to. He has a young star in Fernando Tatis Jr. to not only show him how to play the game, but to kind of keep, you know, keep right and also be the you know, the shoulder to lean on when he's struggling. And Tatis right now is struggling, and it really matters when someone like Fernando with uh, Machado to you know just be right there and say, "Hey, kid, stick with it." You know, another thing Machado did, there was a point that Ryan Weathers was in a bit of a jam and uh, mm. uh, the, the catcher came out to talk to him and Machado came in yeah. and I've seen him do this a couple of times with the rookie on the mound. He'll come in and say something and you, he just, sometimes you need to hear that. You need to hear a teammate go, you know what, just have him hit a ground ball my way and I got you or something like that, you know? Yeah. Uh, now I've got to ask, it's certainly a story at this point in time. What's the general consensus among the fan base with Tatis's struggles right now? I believe it now with yesterday is seven errors in 10 games. He spent 10 days in the IL already, and he still leads the league in errors. You know, it, it's, he's just pressing too much, you know, with the injury, you want to say, Oh, the swing is, is this injury is causing all these throwing errors and, and the struggles at the plate. Uh, he's just trying to slow the game down. And, you know, he's had some missed time. 
have to come right back and be on fire. He hit the home run on Friday uh, to tie the game up. Uh, he'll find it. It's starting to slow down. Jason Tingler said that today that he's starting to slow the game down a little bit. And I don't think anyone's really worried about it. We would love to see him hit, obviously, and he will. It's just um, it just going to take some time for him to get ready, you know, to yeah. be ready. If he's going to have a slump, I'd rather him do it now than later in the year. Yeah, I just find it so funny, just the differences between fan bases. That's a lot of the things that we've been covering when we've been going into niches. We talked a lot about this with uh, Graham Wallace last weekend, last on Saturday, where the perspectives and the outlooks of different fan bases is completely different. Because, I mean, here you go, you've got Tatis with seven errors right now. Rafael Devers will make 20 errors in the season, show every sign that he's trying to improve and putting his best effort in and people are already trying to put him at, put him as a DH after one yeah. season in the league. Yeah. So, like, the, the level of overreaction is just completely different in fan bases. I just find that absolutely fantastic, uh, fascinating. But well, you know, we, that's, we, we got plenty of those guys that do that. Take a, take a look on Padres Twitter, and you'll see a heavy <laughs> dose of it. But I go on Facebook and see what the Padres groups on Facebook say, and it's just it's, it's overreaction yeah. like crazy yeah. on there. I feel like most of Facebook is overreaction. <laughs> it truly is. And I avoid it these days. Well, let's get into Sunday's game uh, where the Padres do pick up a very nice win. Uh, five to two. Uh, they get a start from Blake Snell. I believe he went five innings, allowing two runs. And uh, you had to face off against Trevor Bauer, who pitched a very well uh, six innings. Uh, just, you know, it was a nice uh, offensive comeback for you guys there in the seventh and eighth innings. Uh, just uh, your your thoughts on the game and just how uh, Snell and the rest of the staff pitched. Yeah, they did a pretty good job of minimizing the damage while Snell was on the mound because uh, he didn't have his best stuff. He was struggling with location. Um, I was in the upper deck, so I couldn't see what his pitches were doing as far as movement was going, but he wasn't landing his pitches for strikes. Um, so he ran the pitch count up high early, uh, but he was able to stay in and grid it out for – what was it? Five innings that he pitched. Um, so I, you, you can't be mad. He keeps the pitcher can't win the game for the team, but he sure can lose it. And he kept the team in the game. And then the bullpen came in You know, after Friday's game and they emptied the tank. I was surprised that they had as many arms available as they did Saturday and Sunday. And those guys did a great job of, of helping close the door. So then a little bit of timely hitting finally, Tommy Pham having that, that breakthrough hit that double into the corner. Um, and that was enough to put it over the top. Yeah, absolutely. And that he that at bat with Sam was a seven. He fouled off a bunch of really tough pitches. But to go back to Snell, he, he has we have not seen the best of Snell yet. He has you know, ninety five pitches on Sunday, barely making it into the fifth inning, and he still struck out seven people. And he didn't have his best stuff. When he has his best stuff, and I'm sure he will soon, it will be absolutely lights out, and it'll be a lot more efficient. So there's been several starts from him that that have gone 90 pitches plus and hasn't gotten past the sixth inning. So the best is yet to come with Blake Snell, but Darvish and we have Lament coming back here pretty soon. It's mm-hmm. going to be uh, it's going to be a really jogging out of the team here soon. I completely forgot about Nelson Lament. Wow. Yeah. He's going to be back Wednesday. So we might see a, a six man rotation for a little bit here, a couple of turns. Uh, I saw it pointed out uh, um, that the Padres are in the middle of a 17 game streak, 17 days in a row that they're playing. And later this season, they have 20 games in a row. So it's unfortunate that the Padres are playing this big stretch. And then they've got to face the Dodgers twice in the middle of it without a day off. 
uh, while the Dodgers have had, I think their longest streak at any point this season is 14 games in a row. And they've got a day of rest before entering into this, uh, this next weekend series. So they've got a little bit more time to get their guys healed up uh, while the Padres have just got to keep turning and burning. Yeah, this, I don't think it's that wild a prediction when you just see the way the league going, goes. I think the smartest way to, way to run things right now, just from what I've seen, is A, getting guys like Jake Cronenworth in there that you feel comfortable having and going out and throwing innings that can also play the field and give value on that side. But the second part is having those really strong swing men that really should be starters, but are, are more than willing to come out of the bullpen. I mean, you've realistically got, you've got your five, you've, re, you've got a set, you basically got a set, uh, seven guys that are starters doing a five and a half man rotation for the Dodgers based on what's flexible for them. And that's not even including price. So I just think that's going to be a, such a revolutionary idea. If you can get quality arms there, like you're not going to get the same quality that LA has, but if teams start getting quality arms that they can kind of mix and match and work things towards the matchups they want, then that's going to become a huge, a huge benefit for a lot of yeah. teams can be that deep. Yeah. Something Absolutely. that's made the, the Dodgers such a difficult opponent. Isn't just the talent that they have at the top of their roster. It's the amount of depth that they have. Yeah. So even like position players, you look, they're pulling guys. There were a couple of guys I really never heard of rookies or journeyman guys that come in and all of a sudden become solid ball players with the Dodgers. You got guys like Muncie and Turner that were pretty much cast offs and uh, uh, Chris Taylor, they were pretty much let go by former teams. And then they turn into perennial all-star caliber players. The Dodgers have a talent of doing that. So then the guys at the end of their bench, they're still capable of doing damage. They're not, not just role players. Yeah. Yeah, and I think we could see the Padres, like LJ was saying, about uh, those kind of swingmen. You know, you're, you're going to have an influx of starting pitching coming within, whether it's the end of this year or the start of next year with – with, uh, you're going to get, like you said, Denilson Lament back. You're going to get Mike Clevenger back. You also have Mackenzie Gore in there. So there's plenty of guys that can really – fill in those spots of those quality arms that you would want. And in young pitching as well, it's not like that these guys are uh, pushing 30. These guys still have a lot of uh, juice left in the tank uh, to, to really get those uh, bulk innings. Yeah. That's one big difference between this year's team and last year's team is the the depth, both on the the position player side and on the pitching side Yeah, and the bullpen in particular has a ton of depth. Um, and so they've got some guys that can move up and down from the minors to fill in those roles. And the Bill Chris Matt is a guy that kind of came out of nowhere this year. And now he's already had a couple of stints. He's back down in the minors, but he's one of these guys. I think he pitched 85 pitches in one of these games where I think it was the one where Snell had to come out early. Yeah. It was a little uh, bit of a mop up. Yeah. It was a mop up duty, but you need somebody to come in and they can yeah. just eat up four or five innings sometimes. Um, and so he's kind of a revelation being able to come up and do that. So we'll see him back soon too. Yeah, that just is such a huge benefit, especially when you've got a guy like Clevenger, who is a top three, at his best, is a top three guy in most rotations in the league. The fact that you're going to be able to keep, easily keep an innings watch throughout the, his first season, build up yeah. his innings throughout the year, because you're not going to have to put him out there every fifth day. You can put him out there on the sixth, every seventh, give him the time he needs. That's going to be huge. It's going to keep a lot of life on another, a lot of other guys like you, Darvish, too, who are getting 
not, not that they're old, but they're getting up there. Of course, he hasn't had nearly the, the service time, but he's been around in baseball yeah. for a while. Yeah. So that's going to keep the diet. Well, with, absolutely. Yeah, and with that depth, and with that depth, you can have a six man rotation. You have Ryan Weathers, you have Chris Paddock, you know, you have these guys that can give you Darvish a day or, or Blake Snell a day and just kind of slide him in to uh, pick up a start. It's just the depth in this team is amazing. Brilliant. Hey, guys, now, I got I to go. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Thank you no. so much. <laughs> Donovan's uh, got a ball game to go watch. I'm at a ball game right now. I got to get it going. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, we will, yeah, we will leave this with us. We are not a Padres podcast, but Friars on the Farm certainly is. Um, we'll give you guys one last chance for any final thoughts before we get ready to roll here. My final thoughts are this. Go Padres. Go Padres. Thank Great. you, guys. Make sure you find them on Twitter, on Belly Up, on anywhere you listen to your podcasts. podcasts. It's really a fantastic show. I've been listening to a lot lately. You guys have just as much energy here as you do there, and it's just it's a lot of fun to listen to. So thank you for your time, guys. And All right, guys. Appreciate it. Have a good one. All right. Thank you. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.